Another thing. You tone down that goofiness. You want my help, you act like a human. You understand? Oh, yes, sir. But wouldn't it be more helpful if, if I started to, to, to came along with you, baby? Because what, what, what if maybe you gotta, you gotta get into some, some, some more locks or something? Ah, uh, okay. Thank you, Mr. Valiant. I'll guard them with my life. And knock off the Mr. Valiant stuff. Call me Eddie, like everybody else. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Eddie. Film 4 called his first movie surreal, funny, clever, and disarming in equal measures. Amazon user Admiral H.M. Nelson gave his second movie two stars and said, not his best. And about his third movie, Stephen Witte of the Newark Star-Ledger said it's like one of those so-so Muppets movies, where you're happy to see the characters back on screen again, yet slightly impatient that they've forgotten to bring enough jokes. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we discuss the whimsical world of Pee Wee Herman. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters from Austin, Texas. That's right, Starfighters. We're here in Howdy. Austin. Howdy, y'all. We're in Austin, Texas. Many apologies to people who live in Texas for what I just did. Don't be. Don't. Don't take offense. We're Pacific Northwesterners from New Jersey, so we have no class. Speaking of uh, the East Coast. Not technically New Jersey, but uh, straight from New York, we've got our brother Scott Wiener here. Say hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> we decided to take a little trip to Austin, yeah. Texas and hang out together and record a podcast about the Pee Wee Herman universe. Of course. But of first, course. you all heard a little something interesting happened before uh, you heard our voices. And uh, that comes to us courtesy of French Fry Phil, who says, Gents, I tried to send this to you via DM and Instagram, but I'm not savvy enough to do it correctly. Anyway, you probably already knew this, but attached is a nice transition between your Roger Rabbit episode and the upcoming Pee Wee episode. Uh, I can also confirm that Toontown is still a part of Disneyland as of October 2019, and the Roger Rabbit Benny the Cab Ride is still running. Not much of a line when my family was there. My daughters and I enjoyed it. Have fun storming the castle, Phil. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he produces the show, right? Like, is he a co-producer of this show? Uh, he's definitely the... the he uh, contributes content. Yeah, he is the gasoline that gets his engine running. It's not like he doesn't get credit. He is mentioned in every yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah there's no, no denying it. French Fry no. Phil keeps our heart beating. I love it. Yeah. So... um, before we launch into anything Pee-wee related, I wanted to talk about a show that's on Hulu that uh, just came out recently, the uh, adapt the series adaptation of High Fidelity. How is that, John? Oh, Scott just perked up. Is this your first time hearing of this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. most things like this, I don't know about it until you say it. Okay. So, yes, there is a, a new series adaptation of High Fidelity that's, uh, I think, a 10-episode series. It's starring Zoe Kravitz as Rob, Robin, but she goes by Rob, 
Uh, it's got Jake Lacey, who I'm sure that you would know if you saw him, if you don't know who I'm talking about. He's kind of the uh, the reluctant boyfriend type who's been showing up in a lot of things. He was an obvious child, um, which was excellent. Uh, it's also got uh, Divine Joy Randolph, who was in uh, Dolomite Is My Name. And uh, also... David H. Holmes. They they're kind of the main characters. Divine Joy Randolph is the Jack Black character. Mm-hmm. And in the first episode, you definitely get the feeling that this is kind of a kind of a cover of the movie, less of a you know, it's definitely a reimagining well, of it, but it is very much like Divine Joy Randolph is doing Jack Black. She's doing the Jack Black thing. Well, but it's interesting because High Fidelity was originally a novel by Nick Hornby. Yes. It was adapted into the movie. And then the musical or stage play, right. mm-hmm. it, it was on Broadway. I forget if it was a, a musical or a, a stage play. So, and now you have this Zoe Kravitz star, and Zoe Kravitz is great, but it is a little strange as the movie High Fidelity ends with uh, John Cusack's Rob mm-hmm. hooking up with the character, and I, I forget her the character's name. But Lisa Bonet. Lisa Bonet, who is Zoe Kravitz's mother. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an interesting kind of like passing of the torch in a way. Um, and I, having been the only person to, at this table who's seen it i do have to say she does a great job doing the john cusack thing and there's so many moments throughout the series that are pulled directly i i mean yes it's an adaptation from the book but pulled from the performances from the movie well, which that, makes it really interesting and that's that's what i was wondering just stylistically from what i had seen in ads it looked like the the shop itself was the shop looks was very, very much similar similar yeah yeah so i was under Check the impression i was under the impression that it was that that it kind of shared um equal dna with the movie and and the book yeah i mean i've always been a big fan of the movie and i think that under other circumstances watching something like this series after having been such a big fan of the movie would have taken something away from it and been like, ah, it's just kind of a rip off, but I liked it for what it was. And it definitely paid homage to the movie while taking its own liberties, uh, not just with race and gender of characters, but also just of like some of the storylines that would go on. Um, it was, I think it's, uh, it was nice. It was good. Nice. I'm going to check it out. I recommend it. How do I watch it? It's on Hulu. Ooh, I think I have Hulu. <laughs> That's good news. Uh, yep. I also want to mention that we, uh, this is not anything related to reboots, prequels, or sequels or anything, but we all just went to go see a movie together, 1917, Yeah. at the Alamo Draft House. We did not make it to the basement of the Alamo, but there, there was There was are. a bicycle in the lobby. There was. Yeah. Yeah. They were uh, doing a little, the shining moment. Yeah, a little, yeah, I'm, which I was a little confused at what that was for because it's not, I think you're supposed, I think you're supposed to just go there and take pictures, but I don't think that there's a real reason why necessarily that. I think all the Alamo draft houses have that carpet. Oh yeah. And that's like their thing is that like, you know, throwback funky, we love movies so much, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. The Shining is a movie. It and is, a book. And a book. And a book. And 
Did the book describe the carpet though? That was Stanley Kubrick's own. A, a lot. The mo- The movie is very much Stanley Kubrick's, and not as much Stephen King's, uh, including the phallic carpet that also is meant. That also the designs resemble the ship from two thousand one. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. In The Shining, yeah, Stanley is. That's why Stephen King's not a huge fan of, and I think that's an understatement. I think Stephen King strongly dislikes. The, the film that Stanley Kubrick made, mostly because Stanley Kubrick took his novel and turned it into his own thing, which was kind of what Stanley Kubrick did. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about Stanley Kubrick. No, we're not. He never made a Pee Wee movie. That's unfortunate. No. S- Scott, I want to ask you uh, if, if you would go into a little bit of your history in remembering Pee Wee Herman and your history with Pee Wee Herman. Well, I... For Pee Wee, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is my favorite movie of all time. How many DVDs do you own? Total? I own, I think, eight or nine. How many of them are Pee Wee movies? <laughs> Three of them are Pee Wee. Two of them are two copies of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and I think I have a copy on VHS. And I have Big Top Pee Wee, which I've never opened, but I've seen it. Yeah, obviously. Right. So yeah, I guess a large portion like a large portion of my dvd collection which is very small is peewee right i want to add that uh several years ago scott was gifted a blu-ray of peewee's big adventure which he gave to me saying there's no way i'm ever going to go out of my way and buy a blu-ray player (laughs) that's accurate yeah yeah i don't know how i got that but yeah uh, you you have it still Uh, of course yeah great yeah so i guess i own well have owned Maybe Dan like is the custodian of your Blu-ray. 40% of my DVD ownership yeah. or Blu-ray, whatever, has been Pee-wee. So yeah, I love Pee-wee. I don't remember when I first saw it. I don't think it was at the Rialto. No. Well, it came out when we were... Yeah. We, I did not see it in the, in the theater. Yeah. All I know is I loved it so much that I named my favorite stuffed animal Pee-wee. Sure. Obviously. still He's still around. He's in the closet somewhere. Nice. Back in the house. Um, I'll have to fish him out a little bit. We'll see what's up. Whenever he's ready to come out. Yeah, he's just chilling. Love that. I've loved all the Pee Wee things. I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but Dan and I went to see Pee Wee on Broadway the first night of uh, previews. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We did? Oh, the first night of previews. First night of previews. Oh, wow. So, and I guess if we're we're going back into a little history before we talk about the movies themselves, uh, I, I can add in a little anecdote about Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Please. How Pee Wee Herman got me detention on my first day of fourth grade. What? So uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure had come out in the summer of 1985. And the following summer was when it was on HBO. And so, of course, I watched it several times. And on my first day of fourth grade, so my last name being Wiener made the first day of school especially torturous every year and i'd always i'd kind of try to think of ways because the teacher would call my name and the kids would would laugh so i was trying to think of ways to diffuse that and so when mrs murphy called my name shout out i i responded with that's my name don't wear it out oh yeah wait you got detention for that i got deep shit for that why well i mean deep for for me for fourth grade why because she's not a fan of peewee 
first of all, she did not understand the reference. Right. Secondly, she took it as being very rude and disrespectful, which as a nine-year-old, yeah. I did not understand that. Oh, man. So, I, you know, might have overreacted a little bit, but got me in big trouble. Oh, I got to say, though, slick move. Yeah, like, I'd say so. That's my name. Don't wear it out. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good didn't, job. Didn't didn't help make the first day of school any, any better, but uh, that was... That was what happened. But I it gave totally... you a story to tell in a podcast all these years later. <laughs> I'm thinking about that phrase right now. How does that make any sense? Can you wear out a name? By saying it too many times. Hey, like, if you've only said it once, what's the danger in wearing it out? Do you really want to have this conversation? And I mean, debate? this is what your whole podcast is. I, I mean, uh, I don't know. You'd have to take I that. I listen to you guys have conversations have about take, weirder things than Here's this. the thing is you'd have to take that up with Paul, Paul Rubens, Rubens himself. I'll talk to him about it next I time. Don't know, I don't know if he originated that phrase. See, one thing that it, we're certainly going to talk about it a bit more, uh, and this is especially noticeable in Pee-wee's Playhouse, uh, but there's definitely an element to Pee-wee's character in the world in which he lives, uh, maybe mentally and in some cases in the characters around him. But it's very much stuck in like uh, essentially like Pleasantville 1950s era. So I wonder if it's actually like some sort of phrase that was tossed around like in the in the 50s. Because I could totally see that. It's very it's very strange. And and I, yeah, we'll talk about the sort of odd anachronistic setting of the Pee Wee universe. Mm-hmm. But. You know, it's just, I think it's one of those, he's, he's, he presents himself in these, he refers to himself as a boy. Right. You know, the world's luckiest boy, the world, you know, when he, he wants to learn how to fly and, and everything. And he refers to himself as a boy. And I think the character was very much this mischievous man child. Mm-hmm. And it, I, yeah, so, and he would say the, and he's not, when you, when you look at Pee Wee, yeah, we love Pee Wee, we laugh at him, but some of the things he says are pretty rude and he's pretty rude to people and right and which kids can be something that i noticed when watching peewee's playhouse with uh, my toddler we watched the first episode she was into it at certain times but overall was not really feeling it she's not quite ready for that but there's a lot of like fat shaming in in the peewee verse mm-hmm. yeah well but, i mean it started as a adult themed oh, stage totally. show. Groundlings. Right. Yeah. But for what was an actual children's show. Well, it's very dated. A yes. lot of the humor, I think throughout the movies, there are things that today we find objectionable, which at mm-hmm. the time weren't a problem. I know I'll be getting into that with Big Top Pee Wee. Oh, yeah. But yeah, all that and, stuff, like there was fat jokes was a part of everything. Oh, totally. It wasn't ever a good thing, but like at the time. But it just, it just hasn't aged. It hasn't... It, Right, it hasn't aged as well, especially but, if you're trying to show it to little kids. Right. But Pee-wee's Big Adventure, I think, has aged beautifully. <laughs> it's perfect. It's a perfect movie. Now, I truly think so. Now, Scott, do you remember, I know that you don't remember the first time seeing it, but do you remember seeing Pee-wee's Big Adventure in the theater? I remember, yes, I do remember seeing it as a grown-up. Mm-hmm. Where, where was that? Was it at uh, Sunshine? It was at the Sunshine. Uh, it was a midnight showing. Was it John's birthday? It was, it was my birthday. Okay. And uh, so I was living in Philadelphia at the time, and I was coming up with my then-girlfriend for a surprise situation. 
on the way up, she and I were like on the verge of breaking up and then ran into everybody I knew in New York. <laughs> and you were like, we're going to a midnight showing of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Wait, wait, just to clarify for uh-huh. French Fry Phil, the, aka the listener. It's we had organized a surprise for you. Yes. Just yeah. want to clarify what yes. the surprise situation is. And it's like for John's birthday, let's do this thing. Let me get all his people together so that we like receive him with love and this exciting midnight showing of which in normal world to us at least seemed like perfect idea. I was probably turning we didn't know the twenty two or twenty three. I think right. yeah, I want to say it it was yeah, early yeah. early twenties. And yeah. we and we had no context for the, the right. write up. Oh of course. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even now I don't think I knew that till right now. And and Maybe I that. was definitely going through an emotional breakdown and then I could not handle being around people and I actually had to bail out on my surprise birthday situation. Wow. I didn't know did you know that? No. Okay, I didn't know the background because this whole time I just figured like, oh man. Well, then this is a surprise for you. It is. Oh, look for at my twenty third birthday, like, years later. Yeah. So, but to I've us, seen it in the theater also like twelve times. Yeah, which is I think what you had said that night. You were like, I've seen this in the theater before, and like whatever it was to get out of it. You worked in a movie theater at the time, yeah. so that yeah, was, I did. That I didn't. I didn't see it, it there, but yeah. I there's the, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is a movie that people like to show at. You know, midnight screenings yeah, yeah. all the time. Because it's As always evidence. fun. Yeah. yeah, by the midnight screening that we were attending. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. It was, I mean, it was, like the, it was good to see. I had never seen it in the theater. Me it neither. was a 35mm print. It was like the whole yeah. thing. I had yeah. never seen that. It's always fun because the crowd is always way into it. And everybody mm. knows that movie like forwards and backwards. Even if you've only seen it once, it, it just attaches to your brain. Yeah. You get excited when character, when you meet Large Marge, oh, everyone, yeah. Big you know, pop you on Large Marge. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Some night, huh? On this very night, ten years ago, along the same stretch of road, in a dense fog, just like this, I saw the worst accident I ever seen. There was this sound, like a garbage truck dropped off the Empire State Building. And when they finally pulled the driver's body from the twisted, burning wreck, it looked like this. Yes, sir. That was the worst accident I ever seen. I get off right up here. Have a nice day. <laughs> Be sure and tell them Large Marge sent ya. <laughs> It's such a classic, and I mean, as wonderful as it is to watch it on any size screen, seeing it in the theater and seeing it on the big screen was was pretty fantastic. Yeah, and well, I know for me, because it's like, I don't see a ton of movies, but knowing that that's my favorite movie, it's like my comfort movie, mm-hmm. to see it on the big screen the way it originally came out was is always really cool. The way God intended. Yeah, and like now he's touring with it, right? 
Oh, yes, it's the 35th, 35th anniversary. anniversary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's I, been sold out everywhere. Yeah, I, I unfortunately missed it when he was in Portland. Yeah, messed up. That's uh, really messed up. So let's just do a quick run through chronologically of the the Pee Wee verse. Uh, so of course it starts off with the the Groundlings character that he had developed in the early '80s, and uh, he had made appearances in like. Cheech and Chong's next movie. This is more Paul Rubens. Actually, that was with the Pee Wee Herman character. And uh, it, but it was a, definitely a, an altered version of it. Uh, he had this stage show uh, called the Pee Wee Herman Show in 1981 that ended up on HBO. And uh, that kind of launched things into Pee Wee's Playhouse, which um, was developed with Phil Hartman and John Paragon. And at the Groundlings. And they did the Pee Wee Herman show, and including a lot of the aspects of the Playhouse uh, around that time. Next came Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which was 1985, directed by Tim Burton, which we will get into shortly. Scott's going to uh, give us a little synops uh, when, he, when we get to that. And then, because of the success of that, the Pee Wee's Playhouse children's show went on CBS and uh, certainly cemented itself into our personalities. And that's probably how we first were really introduced to Pee Wee Herman being children at that time. Um, So then uh, there was Big Top Pee Wee, uh, and then we had the Pee Wee's Playhouse Christmas special, um, which I'll talk about a little bit. I I managed to check that out. It's streaming on Netflix now for anybody who wants to check it out. And then... uh, since then, we have had uh, Pee Wee Herman showing up on uh, Broadway, which uh, you had talked about. First night of the previews, that's pretty special. And then that was uh, shot to air on HBO, which I believe is still streaming on HBO Go or HBO Now. And uh, then there's Pee Wee's Big Holiday, which is a movie that came out on Netflix just a few years ago. And uh, I don't know if we are. Am I missing anything? I feel <gasps> back to the beach. Oh no, <laughs> I was not. I not that I had forgotten about back to the beach because it's <laughs> wonderful. But I I didn't want to be remiss in dismissing why there's such a large gap between Pee Wee projects. Yes. So Pee Wee Herman in um, the early nineties, ninety maybe, maybe ninety ninety one was caught, and this was before we you know before TMZ before cell phones and cell phone cameras and all that. So so Paul Rubens, not Pee Wee Herman, I hope, Paul Rubens was caught in a porn theater basically masturbating. Doing what doing what one would do. do in a porn theater. And yeah, and yeah these days it the these, you know, in, in these these t- troubled times of twenty twenty, it, it seems seems like nothing. Seems like anything, you know. It was big news at the time. It was huge. Yeah. Yeah, it was scandalous. Well, I mean, when you're a children's performer, everything is kind of escalated. True. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah. he he has, you know, redeemed himself in the public eye and, and made quite a comeback. Yeah. So uh, after Pee-wee's big adventure, I think right after that was when... Um, Back to the Beach came out in 87? 87. Yeah. And uh, Pee Wee showed up on the beach with Frankie Internet. Who also showed up in his uh, Christmas Christmas special. special. Yes. 
where they are uh, enslaved to make uh, 1,000 Christmas cards, and he <laughs> treats them like garbage and gives only feeds them like bread and water. He treats them like slaves. Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, it is hilarious. <laughs> And like you said, you know, it's this man child. He's trapped in another era. He definitely doesn't exist in at the same headspace as anybody else around him. Uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, he's surrounded by a bizarre cast of characters, including uh, Cowboy Curtis. Lauren, uh, that was Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne originally. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, King of Cartoons was was in there. King of Cartoons, Miss Yvonne. Uh, it's Lynn Marie Stewart, who act, who is who appears throughout uh-huh. the the Pee Wee the Hermanaverse. Right. She. I, I never realized how much Lynn, who, Miss Yvonne on Pee Wee's Playhouse. But I, I I never realized that she appears. In, she's in Big Top Pee Wee. I think she's in Big Adventure somewhere. She's in. Uh, oh yeah, she is in Big Adventure. She's in Big Top Pee Wee. I think she's in the Big Adventure Pee Wee's. A big holiday. Big, big holiday. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 very cool how a lot of these performers that have worked with Pee Wee, even though she didn't have as featured a role in something like Big Top Pee Wee, right. It's just cool that some of these people keep making these appearances and that Paul Rubens is committed to them and will bring back, you know, for the Broadway show, is it John Paragon was in it, Lynn Marie mm-hmm. Stewart. So just that he has this company and these this group of people that really work with him well, I'm, I'm excited and I, I would love to see more Pee Wee stuff from that group, but that's... We're, we're a little early for that well, discussion. Yeah, and also Diane Salinger, who plays Simone in uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, she shows up. I think she was on the Broadway show. She was also in Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Um, so she's another one who, you know, shows up in a lot of his stuff. So they must have a, a pretty solid working relationship. Yeah. Uh, so, Scott, why don't you walk us through Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Big Adventure. Or ride us through it. Oh, boy. I will. Ooh, plot. Here we go. So... Kiwi Herman lives in this amazing house that's sort of like like the playhouse, but even better, obviously. <laughs> and he's got an amazing bicycle, which is his prized possession. And one day in his journeys on his bicycle around town, he finds that his lock has been busted. The bicycle is gone. He's traumatized. He freaks out, passes out. When he wakes up, he knows that his singular mission is to recover that bicycle. So he follows clues. Well, if you can even call them that. He follows clues on a glorious big adventure to track down that bicycle, which takes him across the country and back where he meets amazing cast of characters, only to lead to, and I don't want to spoil it, so no spoiler here, but only to lead to an incredible final scene. 
It's awesome. I love that final scene. It's, yeah. So, I, would you mind naming some of the things that he encounters along the, along the way? Would love to. Thank you, Scott. A fortune teller, where he's like, can you just help me? And the fortune teller, of course, is like, BSs her way to tell him something that leads him to, let's just say, a dead end. <laughs> I said it. Okay, so there's that. There's so there's a fortune teller. The movie's okay. been out for 35 years. We yeah. can say that she sent him to the Dude, basement I'm of the Alamo. Very spoiler sensitive. It's been 35 it's, years. I yeah. don't. Okay. Statute of limitations has run out. Okay. Anyway, so there's that. Oh, he has an amazing community meeting in his basement of his amazing house. <laughs> where, amazing Larry is there. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, come on, come I on. met Amazing Larry. Oh uh, yeah. You yeah. Did? Well, just to set this up in case people haven't seen it, there's an amazing community meeting where all his neighbors are there, and he like makes them show up, and he's like really intense about talking about how they need to find the bike. And like this one guy who gets called out in that meeting and never pops up in the movie again, amazing Larry who's got the crazy mohawk. Yeah, this is incredible. And he's talking during the meeting, and so so Pee Wee calls him out on it. It's amazing. Is this something you could share with the rest of us, amazing Larry? Uh, what else is going on? Oh, he ends up at the Alamo at one point. That's part of the whole fortune teller thing. That's exciting. Where he takes, can I just say, where he takes a tour of the Alamo where he's not allowed to ask any questions until the very end. And the whole time, all he wants to ask is about where's the basement because he found out that his bike might be there. And the whole time, the tour guide will not let him in. And I, I just love that. As a tour guide, I love that that's something that happens that's right. in it. That's Jan oh. Hooks. And ma- it's she's so such a good. great Incredible. Incredible. Pour one out. What else happens in there? Well, there's oh, the large dinosaurs. Marge. Large Marge. Well, okay. Oh, my God. I'm forgetting all these things. Thanks for stopping. <laughs> Some night, huh? On this very night, ten years ago, along the same stretch of road, in a dense fog, just like this, I saw the worst accident I ever seen. There was this sound, like a garbage truck dropped off the Empire State Building. And when they finally pulled the driver's body from the twisted, burning wreck, it looked like this. <laughs> yes, sir. That was the worst accident I ever seen. I get off right up here. Have a nice day. <laughs> Be sure and tell them Large Marge sent you. <laughs> yeah, okay, so he goes, at one point, he's like in California where he runs a new, in Cabazon, California, there are these two giant sculptures of two dinosaurs, and he ends up at a diner, the Whelan Diner, right next to those amazing dinosaurs. And at that diner, he... Uh, he meets a waitress who kind of helps him out a little bit. They have a great chat about life. And then... Um, a hilarious conversation about life. It is a hilarious conversation about life. Yeah. I know you're right, but... But what? Everyone I know has a big butt. Come on, Simone. Let's 
talk about your big butt. That was big and important for me, just to have a little aside, because the Cabazon, California, those two dinosaurs is now probably my favorite place on earth. It's I a really bizarre it. well, creationism. Now it is, yeah. yeah. We went together. We ate at the Wheel Inn. Back in the day, we Back did. Back in the day. I also ate in the Wheel Inn with grandma years, like maybe 15 years ago. Wow. And then now the Wheel Inn is gone. There's mm-hmm. like a Burger King there. Is it gone? Yeah, it's gone. Oh, man. Yeah, it's really a bummer. It was like one of those classic diners. Pour one out for the Wheel Inn. Yeah, yeah. I will. But uh, yeah, yeah, so there's that. What else? There's oh, oh he he ends up in a, in a movie set in Hollywood. Oh where yeah, riding he like finds the bike and he's like riding through it and all these crazy things happen. And also, it should be stated that the uh, the real villain in this is Francis, his rich, rich spoiled neighbor who has everything, and if he doesn't have it, he theoretically could buy he it. Could buy it. Morning, Pee Wee. Little Francis. Today is my birthday, and my father said I can have anything I want. Good for you and your father. So guess what I want? A new brain. No, your bike. (laughs) What's so funny, Pee Wee? It's not for sale, Francis. My father says everything's negotiable, Pee Wee. I wouldn't sell my bike for all the money in the world. Not for a hundred billion million trillion dollars. Then you're crazy. I know you are, but what am I? You're a nerd. I know you are, but what am I? You're an idiot. I know you are, but what am I? 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 Infinity. No, I'm not. You are. No way. Knock it off. Cut it out. Oh, shut, shut up, up. Pee Wee. Why don't you make me? Why don't you make me? Because I don't make monkeys. I just train them. Oh, Pee Wee, listen to reason. Oh, come on. I'm listening to reason. Pee Wee. That's my name. Don't wear it out. Remember the first time I saw your bike? You were riding past my house, and I came running out to tell you how much I liked it even way back then? I love that story. <laughs> You'll be sorry, Pee Wee Herman. And he wears a, a jumpsuit. It's glorious. Well, Francis is kind of also, he's the other man-child. Right. And yeah, he, I th- well, I think it's important to say that like the whole like Tim Burton approach in this movie is that Pee-wee is definitely a weird character, but that nobody else thinks that it's weird or yes. is offended by it. Right. Everybody's just totally accepting. Like in the beginning, he's watering his lawn with a crazy octopus machine that yeah. throws hoses everywhere. And his neighbor just closes his window and waves yeah. and like understands that this is this is normal. Like nobody is like that freak down the street is yeah. riding his bike again. Yeah. yeah, even like the local like the little BMX gang. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're all into it and he's like, hey, he's like showing him cool tricks on his he's bike. He's known and, and respected yeah. Yeah. even though he's just like this tiny frail man child who wears a tight gray suit. And it's the town shoes. weirdo. Yeah. Yeah, but everybody's cool with but it. But he's funny. Well, he's not a scary yeah. weirdo. And that's yeah. a good point that the neighbor that Francis is also a version of that. Yeah. He's got the bathtub with the battleships oh and he's my God. playing. It's an indoor pool. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like when we meet but him, yeah, he's like he's playing in the, with battleships in, <laughs> in a bathtub and eating like gummy bears off oh, it, yeah. I think. It's or raisins? Like, well, he's acting no like a sea monster. Yeah. Yes. It's brilliant. <laughs> uh, so his this character that has been established in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, it... I don't know. It's definitely carried on throughout the other movies. And something that 
is also fascinating is that he is irresistible to women. <laughs> that is a consistent thing throughout everything is that they flock to him and he has zero interest. Um, well, I, yes, we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, but, but just to back up John on this in Pee-wee's big adventure, I think what's, what I like so much about his character is that he's impervious. Oh yeah. Is that he's just, he is his own thing. He's driven by the bike. Well, that's what makes them flock to him is that he's not, he doesn't, he's, he's innocent. He's honest. Yeah. So that's what, and then you compare him to someone like Simone's boyfriend, Andy, who looks like Paul Bunyan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A big lug. Yeah, he's a big lug, and he just grunts and chases them around with one of the big bones from the dinosaurs. Yeah. And also, interesting, interesting point there. Uh, the band Au Revoir Simone, right, gets their name from this this scene. So, I uh, we also need to mention that this is the first film, the first feature film directed by Tim Burton, uh, and his direction. What's up? No, no, no. Oh no, his direction really paints a beautiful picture for this world. And it's hard to think of somebody else doing that movie. And that's an easy thing yeah, to well, say because no one else has done it. Because movie, it's but, like, but, there's a darkness to it. Yes. There's a, a, a weird, like a weirdness to it. That's not jokey weird. It's, mm-hmm. it comes off being like a, a playtime movie, but it really is. Well, bizarre. And and we, 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 we were talking about this earlier in terms of 1917 and in Birdman and going inside the mind of a character Tim Burton presents you with the the mind of a child from the yeah. the the thrills, the joys, the breakfast machine, Mr. T cereal poured all over the pancakes, having a dog, having the like coolest Spec. bike ever. But then also the flip side, having the the nightmares, the dream where he's right. like where the bike's in the surgery. Yeah. And, and in it, the conversation with Simone where she says, don't you have a dream? And he says, yeah, well, when a, a giant snake is chasing yeah. you, like that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he definitely has crazy dreams, and that uh, that is that comes up again in one of his other films. But what's up? But also, isn't this Danny Elfman's yes, first it is. score? Well, it's feature? one of his first. I, I don't he had know. done. I think he had done Forbidden uh, Forbidden Zone bef- before that. Maybe I, but, I had thought that this was his first feature, or if not. At least it was the first time he teamed up with. Oh, it definitely his first team up with Tim Burton. Right. Which is epic team up because the two of them, some of my favorite movies of all time are that pair. Well, you think about direct, we don't often think about director composer pairs, but you, like right. Tim, Danny Elfman is the John Williams to Tim Burton's ah, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, I'm just going to read, uh, this is from Danny Elfman's Wikipedia in the film scoring section. The first paragraph is, as fans of Oingo Boingo, Danny Elfman's uh, 80s band, that's Totally awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Mystic Knights, respectively, Tim Burton and Paul Rubens invited Elfman to write the score for their first feature film, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, in 1985. Elfman was initially apprehensive because of his lack of formal training and having never scored a studio feature. But after Burton accepted his initial demo of the music and with orchestration assistance from Oingo Boingo guitarist and arranger uh, Steve Bartek, he completed the score to great effect while paying homage to his love of early film music and influential film composers Nino Rota and Bernard Herrmann. Oh, interesting. Elfman hmm. described uh, the first time he heard his music played by a full orchestra as one of the most thrilling experiences of his life. So, I mean, first actual real... First studio. Yeah. yeah first studio film. Uh, I think the one he had done that was a independent film that his brother Richard directed. Oh. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. But totally awesome pair. And, yeah. And if you haven't heard Oingo Boingo, 
uh, listen to Oingo Boingo and watch like live videos of them on YouTube, which and, is what and I did watch last back week. to school. Watch back to school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in terms of the, if we can, if we can tangent a, a moment before Ooh, we a move tangent. on, is this the first time Dan asked permission to tangent? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so if we're taking the, so the Tim Burton Danny Elfman combo has produced, they've worked together countless times. What are your top three? Beetlejuice easily for me. Yeah. Uh, well, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, it's, hmm. I'm going to have to think on that for a second. Oh, it gets tough. Nightmare Before Christmas. It's really, yeah. Nightmare, I think that's in my top three. That's your top it's three? It's definitely a really strong one. He did uh, Scissor Hands, right? Yeah. Scissor Hands. Scissor really Hands, good. I think, is I, kind of their, in terms of, of the collaboration, I feel like Scissor Hands is kind of the artistic height, though the score for Batman that's legendary. Can we say top oh, Batman? Five? Top five? Because I mean, eighty nine Batman. Right? Oh, if we're going yeah, high fidelity, Batman. top five <laughs> top all five. time. Yeah. Tim Burton, Danny Elfman collabs. Definitely. So it's those five: <laughs> yeah. Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, Pee Wee, Batman. So it's all and 80s. Nightmare. So it's just the the eighties core. Tim yeah, Burton but let's movies. be honest. Like, those were, and what? I think those early were the best 90s. Tim Burton anyway. Nightmare, Nightmare, oh, Nightmare, yeah, yeah, yeah. Edward, Scissor That's where we went for my birthday party when I turned whatever. When I turned whatever? 12. That that oh, year, whatever that year was. Uh, cool. So so after Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Pee-wee's Playhouse, which we kind of described, it's the children's kind of variety show. I'll talk a little bit about the, um, the Christmas special. It's got stars such as Whoopi Goldberg, Frankie Annette, as we've mentioned, who... Also definitely had the collab with uh, Back to the Beach. Uh, Charo was there singing a song. Oh, my God. Why am I blanking on her name? Dinah Shore makes an appearance. Um, it's it's truly bizarre. Truly, truly bizarre. Yeah. And some other some things about Pee-wee's Playhouse that I think are significant to to point out is Pee-wee's Playhouse. He he transitioned from the bike to the scooter. Right. There's the the scooter that's reminiscent of the bike that shows yeah. up at the end of each episode. There's the the secret word. Oh, the word of the day. The word of yeah. the day was always the best thing. Was it called a secret word? Was it? I thought it was the secret, secret word. Maybe. Yeah. It wasn't a secret. Oh, like, it was. It was a secret. Because then, if you came in and you said the word, everyone's yeah. Oh, screaming. Yeah. Like, I did that when I was teaching sixth grade, so that kids would come on time. Yeah. Oh, to learn the secret word. That's awesome. I told them like as soon as class started, I would tell all the kids who were there the secret word, that, and then I was so like, funny. "This is the secret word today. If anyone says it, everyone's just got to scream." So, just to clarify. He goes up to his friend slash machine, Conky. Conky. Requests or hits a button and gets a little piece of paper that has a word on it. And then that's the word that if anybody says, you scream. Yeah. And and this is a certainly magical world where he has magic screen that he can jump into and do connect the dots. Magic screen was an iPad before there were iPads. I don't think iPads do that, Dan. You can't jump into an iPad, Dan. Have you tried? Yes. Oh. The new one. Does it work? Have you gotten a... Oh, oh, that was the Pro VR experience. Oh. <laughs> the, the iPad and, VR, where you just gotcha. Yeah, uh, that there's Cherry, of course, Globy. Well, it's kind of there's kind of like a Mister Rogers thing about it, where like yeah. there's a community who stops by the mail. Yeah, delivery. Reba mail. the mail lady. Reba the mail lady. The mail lady. But it's like a weird. Esapatha Merkerson. Merkelson. Ooh. Good. All right. Yeah. No, I mean, nice well, she's she's a yeah. If you don't know who she, who she is, look her up. You'll recognize her. I have to Google every name you guys. Talk about <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and as we mentioned, Lawrence Fishburne as Cowboy Curtis. Uh, Phil Hartman was Captain Carl. 
Phil. That's Who's right. Who's Jambi? John Paragon. John Paragon, who you might also remember from UHF. He is. Uh, yes. He's the R.J. Uh, Fletcher's, Fletcher's son. Yeah. yeah. Dad. <laughs> oh, my God. So good. Mecca Lecca. And Pee Wee's Playhouse gave us Mecca Lecca High, Mecca Heine Ho. Yeah. Uh, Do watching... we have to clarify all these characters? I don't know no, what you're listening. No. But because can we just say Jambi is, there's a box and you open it it's up a and there's genie's a, head, a genie's head. A genie's head floating head. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's just a magical world. Puppet land. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah the really, dinosaurs, the claymation right, there's dinosaurs. All these, there's a lot of claymation. Candace the cow. Yeah. So a lot of uh, a lot, there were the fish that he had that that talked and sang. There's like the beatnik jazz trio. Oh that were yes, that's yeah. right. Oh, what were they called? Can't be baby or the puppet band. I'm, I'm trying oh, to think wow. of the theme song. Cool cat. Yeah. I, anyway. Yeah. The but, the theme song, which I'm gonna play right now. all the characters <laughs> <laughs> although the best part of that and and i know we'll talk about the show the broadway show later it, when we saw the broadway show i was really hoping that it would open with the song because i was really excited to join in with an entire broadway theater in screaming out that's cherry yeah and it didn't happen oh sorry it's okay everything else was good about that night. he danced with cherry on stage we'll get to it anyway you just made me th- rem- remember how badly i wanted a cherry 
And they do sell them. Like you can buy cherry. There's a, uh, at Ikea, a chair that looks an awful lot like cherry. I could put a mouth on it. Yeah. Make the arms kind of go and give you a hug. Yeah. Make your yeah. own cherry. Uh, so then comes Pee Wee's, uh, sorry, Big Top Pee Wee. Big Top Pee Wee, 1988. So this is where, when, when we talk about, you know, no one being able to deliver the Pee Wee vision like Tim Burton. This is an instance of it being a little off. So, because you have Randall Fleischer, the director of Grease. Oh, okay. Who's taking over as as director. I'm pretty sure because... Uh, because Pee-wee's Playhouse was on CBS, that Paramount had to produce oh. the movie, and I, Tim Burton was Warner. Tim Burton, well, Tim Burton, yeah, was was working with with Warner, but was also like Beetlejuice came out a couple of months before Big Top Pee-wee, and then he was prepping Batman, so it wasn't even an option for Tim Burton to do it. And then because it's moving studios, we don't have we've got Danny Elfman doing the music, but it's not the peewee score right uh and so th- here's here's the synopsis so in in this iteration in this form peewee herman is a farmer he's got this nice farm he makes all these pancake bre- breakfasts for all of his animals and he's got a talking pig named vance <laughs> oh, i forgot about vance vance yeah it's my my principal's last name splendid i'm very satisfied with these results peewee me too vance if we keep going at this rate, people will only have to buy one tomato a year. We do not want to end up with a low potassium level. Duh, Vance. You'd think I never went to agricultural junior college. Uh, he's also somewhat of an experimental botanist. He is working on a, a hot dog tree to solve <laughs> to solve world hunger. So he's a philanthropist as well. He He is engaged to, I think, the only other person in that town under 40 the school teacher, Winnie, played by Penelope Ann Miller. But other than Winnie, the other townspeople really don't like it's not like in Pee-Wee's Big Adventure, where everyone is just kind of like, oh yeah, no, that's Pee-Wee. He's the guy who waters his lawn with a crazy like slip and slide thing. The townspeople are all like old, it's like your stereotypical get off my lawn old people. And they they don't like Pee-wee, they don't like his ways, they don't like the things that he does, and uh, they really, they're very obvious about it. So things take a turn for him. He doesn't he doesn't let it bother him too much. Uh, things do take a turn when there's a big storm, and uh, during that storm, the traveling caravan of the Cabrini Circus is kind of shipwrecked. <laughs> On Pee-wee's farm, they're passing. They're passing through, and the storm hits, and they're wrecked. And then Pee-wee, you know, gets, you know, wakes up, walks outside, and there's this whole circus there. And the Pickle Poopla brothers. The Pickle Poopla brothers. I mean, it's but it's and it's your classic. Like this is where we get into the like the time. Very much, ninety percent of Big Top Pee-wee feels nineteen fifties. Yeah. But then you go into the like the general store, and the, all the products are very much nineteen eighty eight. It is like that. There's a plastic Seven Up bottle that's very 1988, but the behavior, a lot of the, a lot of the characters are very much 1950s. And you've got this traveling circus with all the characters. You you have um, Mace Montana, who's the head of the of the circus. You have his wife Midge Montana, who's like an inch or two high. You've got uh, the Duke, the dog faced boy, played by Benicio del Toro, that's making right. his screen debut. 
Scott's eyes just lit up. There is a... Because well, I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> there is a... Oh, get ready. I'm, I'm going to hit you with another one. There is a bearded lady played by Lynn Marie Stewart. Don't know who that is. We just talked about her. <laughs> who is it? Missy Vaughn. Missy Vaughn. Oh! Amazing. And Charlie's mother on uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That yes. I knew. Yes. Yeah. So uh, so you, you've got all of these... Uh, all these people, Pee Wee's excited because finally there's people that like right. kind of get him and he invites them to stay and he shows Mace, Mace Montana is played by Chris Christopherson, by the way. And he's, I love, he's, he's great awesome. in it. And he, uh, so he's inspired by Pee Wee in the too. farm. Chris Christopherson. Yeah. Well, was Mace Montana. Mace Montana. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, hey, Chris Christopherson's a great name. Uh, so they're, they're, so Mace decides they're going to do this farm themed circus and everyone's working on these farm-themed acts. Then the townspeople find out about it, and they literally show up with with torches and pitchforks to and and try to arrest Pee Wee. So that kind of that makes him say, "All right, I have to convince. We have to like convince these townspeople that they're going to like the circus." Now, this isn't the only problem he has because he has also fallen in love with Gina Piccola Pupola. The uh, beautiful trapeze artist played by a debuting Valeria Galino. Mm -hmm. Of Rain Man. Of Rain Man. A great 1988 for Valeria Galino. Yeah. And Talking Animals, because Hot to Trot came out that same summer. Oh, jeez. So, Pee Wee Falls. Scott, you should start to look on Scott's face. <laughs> well, these are like movies you don't need to remember. And then you remember them all. Hot to Trot. I remember. You don't... I saw that. Bobcat Goldthwaite. Yeah, that's theater. what I remember. Dabney about. Coleman? Yep. Bobcat Goldthwaite, Dabney Coleman, and John Candy as the voice of the horse. We saw it at the Amboy Multiplex. <laughs> oh, right. Way, to, way to blow that surprise when we do our Hot to Trot episode. <laughs> Great to blow the surprise that we're going to do a Hot to Trot episode. Surprise. <laughs> okay, this is it. No. Uh, so the, uh, so Pee Wee is in this love triangle. Uh, it doesn't really last all that long before before Winnie decides that she would much rather date all four Piccola Poopla brothers than one Pee Wee. Right. Yes. So, uh, Pee -wee, so Pee Wee's in love with, uh, with Gina. And so this is now when we talked before about Pee Wee not being interested, right? This is the opposite this of is not the interested. Exception. In Big Top Pee Wee, Pee Wee Herman is not only interested, he's ex incredibly horny and has a hair fetish. That's right. He sees like he like when he's like when he is having lunch with him and he looks at her hair and you see his eyes grow wide, grow wide. And he's like, he's obsessed. He's fetishizing the hair of both Winnie and Gina. And he, he, when he's with Winnie, they do this thing where they look at the clouds and people, oh, that looks like this. They're all sexual metaphors. <laughs> so, oh, that looks like a train going into a tunnel. And then later, after he and Gina, when he and Gina hook up, they actually show because, you know, all the whole, like, it's a children's movie. We're not going to show people having sex, but we're going to show a <laughs> missile coming up out of a silo. We're going to show, a you know, uh, you know, oil pump. Uh, so that's when they show the train going into the tunnel, which suggests that that Pee Wee has sex with right. Gina <laughs> Piccola Poopola, which is a little I never I, I never I'd never picked up on that. And I, I just. It's a strange idea, and uh, <laughs> I'm curious as to why that that decision was made. But Pee Wee's Big Top Pee Wee did not live up to the expectations or standards set by Pee Wee's Big Adventure because it was not a sequel to Pee Wee's Big Adventure. No, what's interesting about all of the Pee Wee properties is that there's 
essentially no continuity between them. What's up? I beg to differ because in each of the movies, it opens with him waking up from a dream. Well, I, I just mean that there's there's no recognition of his life in a different exist like the events of Pee-wee's Big Adventure didn't happen. There's no carryover. That's right. why I wonder if it's all just dreams. And that's uh, an interesting theory. Well, that's what's so great about it is that they don't need to rely on the continuity. It's just no. it's a character where they're their own character in a yeah. situation. But here's the problem: as the audience, you come into it with that continuity, you, and especially by the time of Big Top Pee-wee. You've got Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Pee-wee's Playhouse, and you're telling you're you're saying, oh, there's a Pee-wee Herman movie, Pee-wee movie, and you're not going to get any anything. You're not getting anything from Big Adventure. You're not getting anything from the Playhouse. You're getting about two seconds of tequila, I mean the song, and Pee-wee doing the dance on right. a high wire for like two seconds. There's so the problem. I think the big problem with that is without. Uh, without establishing Pee-wee as a character who just jumps from story to story, as the audience, you come in and you don't get what you expected. You're getting something new, something different, something strange. And Big Top Pee-wee didn't, it was a strange movie, but it didn't have the same, it didn't have that Tim Burton quality, that Tim Burton vision to, to, to bring the audience in to the the strange yeah well uh let's quickly just talk about how uh big top peewee ends because it plays into his uh experiments with botany and his hot dog tree i don't know if you were about to get to that how it ends yeah it ends with them doing the circus it ends with them doing the circus but the way that they are able oh, to do it yeah. is because oh, yes. he uses yes. his if you want to Oh yeah, no. So, yeah, I will spoil this one. Yeah, so Pee-wee, so uh, something that happens with the hot dog tree is Pee-wee makes a mistake with the formula, and the the hot dogs shrink. So somehow he discovers that by feeding the townspeople these shrunken hot dogs, that the townspeople will de-age. Right, which they do. And one of them de-ages into Screech. I was just gonna say, Dustin Diamond is yeah. one of the uh, de-aged uh, townsfolk. Yeah. I need to open up that DVD. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It sounds weirder than I. I it's probably saw so it twice weird. Ever. You want to hear? And do you want? Do you want to hear my 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 deep over over analysis of it? Absolutely. My That's deep what we're take. here for. Yeah. Man. <laughs> it, it's an allegory about uh, racism and discrimination ah. against people. You know, who with whether it's alternative lifestyles or just race, because you've got the town the townspeople who are that when they come to charge Pee-wee and try to arrest him, the charges are really arbitrary. And they're very similar to the charges Riding that without a permit? That very yep. It's an easy rider wow. thing, Scott. John Don't just worry connected Pee-wee and Easy Rider. That's fantastic. So that wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't be too hard with the the bicycle anyway, go ahead. No, wow, you're right. Uh so Pee-wee so he so there are these arbitrary charges, which was what happened, I mean, particularly after the abolition of slavery, when there were new laws created to imprison the freed slaves and return them to slavery because you would come up with. Well, yeah. And because you'd have like, OK, so there's all these, you know, free slaves and they're they're not sure what to do. So, oh, now loitering is a crime. Right. So they come up. So it's basically they come up with these arbitrary charges because they want to discriminate against Pee Wee. 
they only gain favor with him when he comes to them with the hot dogs and says, I want to be just like you now. Right. He says, I don't want, I don't want to be different anymore. I want to be just like you. And when they de-age and they turn into, you know, eight, nine, ten-year-old children who love the circus and they're happy, they're they're innocent. They are, they haven't learned hate right. yet, which is where they are when they're older. They all they just like they're just grumpy all the time. And it, it's there, and there's definitely some things that are problematic. Like there, one of the characters in the carnival is the half man, half woman that they call Shim. Right. And that doesn't hold up well. But but by and large, I think it's a story about discrimination and it, it yeah, shows. Ageism. And I also think that when it does come to race, Pee Wee is a little bit more... Uh, woke than some of the other issues you know the play the puppet land playhouse extremely racially diverse so i mean i think that that's one area in which uh it's a little less problematic than some of the it's cool to see yeah. a globe and a clock living under the same roof yeah and i was kind of talking about uh some oh, of the, the other chair. characters yeah I, I got you i got you <laughs> but 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 in that sense though it's kind of all the same yeah, it's you know why not? What's you know, what's the big deal? Yeah. A globe and a chair in the same room. Imagine Ooh. that. Yeah. So let's fast forward a little bit to Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Did you have you guys seen it? Yes, I'm sure I watched I it, but I think the only thing I remember is not loving it. So, uh, okay, uh, which I totally get because he is much older playing the same role it's definitely trying to capture a lot of the same things that like big adventure was trying to evoke uh just before i start with my synopsis uh scott can you just let everyone know what the dream is that starts to his big adventure we touched on it just a little bit the tour de france uh, oh yeah oh yeah. my god oh what a great scene yeah yeah so he's he's uh yeah he's in a bicycle race i guess it's the tour de france but like a really weird version of it yeah and he wins well, they all foreshadow them in big top peewee it starts with him he is a 50s cr- oh by the way so this is here's the connective thread originally there was a backstory for big top peewee where after peewee's big adventure where after this big movie comes out where james brolin plays him he becomes so sick and tired of the spotlight or, or he becomes, he becomes a crooner. He becomes like a singer. He becomes famous and becomes a singer. And then he, the fame is too much for him and he retreats to the farm. The movie Big Top Huey begins with him dreaming that he's a crooner and he's singing the song, The Girl on the Flying Trapeze. She's the girl on the flying trapeze. She's the sweetest thing that's ever flown in with the breeze. And if you see her, tell her that I'm in love with her. She's the girl on the flying trapeze. So Pee-wee's Big Holiday starts off with a dream where he is sitting in the woods with an alien named Yule. And... uh, they're talking about how Yule has to go back to his home planet and uh, how they're both sad that he has to leave because they've become best friends. And then they, uh, Pee Wee had made friendship bracelets for the two of them and they put on their friendship bracelets and then he gets beamed up. So that's the dream that kicks off Pee Wee's Big Holiday, which 
I I know that this isn't the greatest Pee-wee property, but it's that was one of the moments that kind of got me, and I'm glad that the movie started off that way because it does pull you in, and it's so bizarre and purely Pee-wee that it's it's pretty delightful, and it sets up the plot. It well it. Yes, because this is a movie about friendship. So in Pee-wee's Big Holiday, Pee-wee Herman is a quirky and lovable townie in a, a little town called uh, Fairville, which is essentially a 50s era, perfect little suburb. And Pee-wee is a cook at Dan's Diner. Not you, Dan. Sorry. And, okay. uh, and the movie begins when his band, the Renegades, break up. He plays like this little plastic horn. <laughs> and they're like this 50s group. They're called the Renegades. So they break up, leaving Pee-wee feeling really down in the dumps. And his emotions take a turn when Hollywood actor Joe Manganello rides up on his hog and orders a chocolate milkshake from Pee-wee, which happens to be his specialty. What can I get you? Milkshake, please. Flavor? Let's say chocolate. Share. Three, two, one. Chocolate. And they also bond over their shared love of root beer barrel candies. And so Joe and Pee-wee instantly click and become fast friends, leading to Pee-wee taking Joe on a tour of the town uh, through his full-scale model of Fairville that he has in his backyard. And after learning that Pee-wee has never left Fairville, Joe invites Pee-wee to his big birthday party in New York City, which takes place in five days, but insists that Pee-wee travels on the open road so he can see the world along the way, since he has never left Fairville. And does he ever see the world? Almost immediately after leaving Fairville, he becomes the getaway driver for three knife-wielding bank robbers, Pepper, Freckles, and Bella, a.k.a. Pee-wee. And after they tie him up and steal his car, Pee-wee is left stranded, but a kind traveling salesman takes him further east uh, until his stop at a roadside snake farm. Uh, His travels later take him to a farmhouse where he's forced to marry one of the farmer's many daughters. Uh, He gets away from that uh, using a disguise, a very clever disguise. And um, then he is on a bus with a group of ambitious hairstylists on their way to a competition. And then uh, once they get there, he encounters a wealthy aviator who owns a rare flying car. And this is Simone from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh, But... I forget what her name is in this. And then once that flying car has an engine failure and crashes, uh, he finds himself in the woods with a forest dweller named Grizzly Bear Daniels, who has major daddy issues. And then uh, he escapes and encounters a lovely Amish community where uh, he is then reunited with the bank robbers who end up giving him a ride to New York on a stolen horse and buggy. And after exploring New York City for a day, he is finally in front of Joe's building, but ends up falling down a well in Central Park. And Joe, who is distraught that Pee-wee hasn't come to his party, locks himself in his bedroom only to see a news report about a guy in a well in Central Park and knows it's Pee-wee right away when he hears that his only request is root beer barrel candies. So Joe (laughs) rescues Pee-wee and then takes him to the rooftop where he reveals his giant replica that he has built of New York that he has built from his imagination. So it includes things like dinosaurs and then also Fairville, which also includes a tiny replica of Pee-wee's replica of of Fairville. And uh, Pee-wee has made Joe friendship uh, bracelets and they put them on. So some more connective thread here. Yeah. This is the second Pee-wee movie in which he has a miniature model of the entire town. Right. Right. Yeah. 
and big adventure in the basement the scene. Basement yeah. Scene. yeah. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I, in, in another, like the kind of anachronistic stuff, the 1950s. So you've got the, like the renegades, although it's funny because the renegade, the reason why the band has to break up is because one guy is like, yeah, my wife needs me home more. And, yeah. They're, they're not like, you know, oh, man, I have to do homework. Right. Yeah. One of them, his office wants him to join their nighttime bowling league, which mm-hmm. is at night. So all of them have these excuses why they can't practice at night, which is when the renegades practice. So and then on top of that, you've got Joe Maganello. Yeah. Showing up at, like not playing a 50s version, but playing like he actually references True Blood. Yeah. He's like, you don't know who I am. I've been on. True Blood, you know, Magic uh, Mike, Magic Mike, and he's like, "Nope, not familiar." <laughs> yeah. So it, I love I, I, the Pee Wee character so much. It's so good. It's a great character. And Paul Rube, I have to say, so for Big Holiday, because Big Holiday came out to uh, 2016, like yeah, I I think 2016. Yeah, I remember he. Yeah, because he did that whole like publicity tour in yeah. New York, and that was yeah, and he had done the, the show. And yes, he's older, and yes. You notice it, but the amount that yeah. he slowed down is so minimal. It's really impressive that Paul Rubens, in I, I imagine his his fifties, or even I don't, he might be around sixty, probably. Now. But Paul Paul Rubens doing that character and doing it so closely to the way he did it in the eighties. Is is so impressive. It also reminds me about his his run on Thirty Rock or his episode oh, on, yeah. on Thirty Rock. The weird baron, the inbred. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so it's good. really funny in that. Paul Rubens has had a great career outside of the Pee Wee character. Oh. Go ahead. So I just remembered what, what, where else Lynn Marie Stort and Paul Rubens team, teamed up together. They both played the Penguin's parents. That's right. But I've always, I never realized Lynn Marie Stort was Mrs. Yeah. Cobblepot. That's right. So, um, yeah, Pee Wee's Big Holiday despite it falling short in a lot of places, it has a lot of things that are really charming. Yes. And I, it's never going to be Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Nothing is going to be Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I don't know. It's a nice way to kind of keep him back doing stuff. It's just a super awesome reminder of like the funkiness of that kind of character. And like the, you don't need to think too hard about it. It's this like quirky playful and this is a situation like big adventure where he is this bizarre person in this town full of completely quote-unquote normal people who just accept that that's who he is and uh, there's he he also lives in a house where there's crazy contraptions and he's got the whole morning he's got a similar similar yeah wake up berg situation yeah and and Oh, go ahead. and and also in big holiday and in big adventure there's also this magical element where in a big adventure he slides down a pole and then he is changed into his gray suit and then in a big holiday he has i think it's a, a couch or a bed or a chair or something that kind of flips him backwards and then all of a sudden he's not in his pajamas he's in his gray suit yeah. so there's uh and i don't think that that's supposed to be like oh it's cutting through time it's like nope this is implying that that is magically happening and he is changing into his uh his his clothes. Um, but I also want to talk about another cool thing about Pee-wee's Big Holiday. It is written by Paul Rubens and Paul Rust. He was on the television show Love on Netflix. Um, he's written for a ton of stuff that you've probably seen. He's appeared in a bunch of things. 
he and I used to be neighbors when I lived in LA. And I interviewed him for a website that Dan and I actually were both writing for at the time that doesn't exist anymore. And it was while he was writing this movie with Paul Rubens. And I, it was really cool to talk to him about it because he, Paul Rust, was... He was us. He was the kid who would dress up as Pee Wee Herman and do the Pee Wee Herman tequila dance and like in front of his like parents, friends and stuff. And, you know, he was just this kid who was completely inspired by Paul Rubens and Pee Wee Herman uh, to become a weirdo. The very first time I saw Paul Rust, he was hosting a show at the UCB Theater in L.A. on Franklin that uh, it was at midnight on Fridays, and it was called Not Too Shabby. He hosted it, co-hosted it with Neil Campbell, who writes for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think he's one of the main story editors on that. And it's a show where people who do sketch comedy kind of go there to work out new material and kind of see how it's working, essentially. And the I don't know if this was the first time I saw that show, but... It was like a rainy night in LA and it was just like hammering down and the UCB theater is like kind of in this kind of decrepit building and there was water leaking through the ceiling and they had a bucket in the middle of the stage that was just collecting this water that was like pouring in through the ceiling and the two of them come out and they're like dancing and being goofy and then Paul Rust takes the bucket of the water and just starts drinking it. And I was like, this guy is insane. And uh, it was just like, in that moment, he was like, I have to drink from that bucket of water. And who knows what was in that water. But it could not have been good for him. But it was just, and it's like. He survived. He he has lived to uh, tell the tale. So, uh, yeah, it's this this person writing it who, uh, his sense of humor, and if you follow him on Twitter, you would you would see a lot of the things that come up in Pee-wee's Big Holiday are very purely him. He actually shows up. He's uh, he plays Ernie, who's one of the diner patrons at the beginning. And uh, there's a lot like his humor really comes through. And I think that it's helpful to kind of have that the perspective of somebody who's who grew up with Pee-wee Herman to uh, I don't know revive the character in a in a movie. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's on Netflix right now. It's the type of thing where it's good well you're grading papers or something i don't know like it's just it's fun that it exists i'm glad that it does even though it's not amazing but it's it's a smile a lot of fun you're gonna like smile throughout the whole thing if you like peewee you're gonna you're gonna sit there and 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 laugh and enjoy it and smile (laughs) his interactions with joe magnello oh my god they're so good and and he's i i i i I, i've always been curious to know why him and how he specifically got involved well i know that he is a funny guy i know he's like into like D and is not your typical like i don't know magic Mike guy. Cast member. yeah exactly so he's a goofball he's a weirdo i uh, and it it's perfect no, it is kind of perfect and when you see him at his birthday party 
just locked in his room and not going out with his like celebrity party guests just to like uh, Venus and Serena and like Elton John are there and everything. And he's just like sulking in his room because he was so excited. And he's like, of course, he's not going to come all the way to New York just to come to my birthday party. Like he's so he's he plays it perfectly. It's great. <laughs> the birthday party invitation is funny, too. Oh, yeah. It just says like <laughs> Joe's apartment. Yeah. Like New York City. New York City. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Good times. Uh, yeah. So, Scott, if you had to, you're so well, not looking forward hold, to this. Hold on, because oh. we really haven't, I know we've touched on it, but the Broadway show. Oh, right. Broadway Scott, show. Yeah, which was essentially like, what, a, what, an hour and a half of just like the Pee Wee character just being the Pee Wee character. Like every single thing in it is perfect. Well, it was like a 90 minute episode of, of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, in fact, yeah, exactly. I remember our uh, Brian Farrell. Our friend who, who was out. with us, shout yeah. out to Brian Farrell, saying it was like Saturday morning came to life yeah, or something that's great. like that. Yeah. yeah. And it really, that was the spot on, like, that's what it should have said on on the posters and the ads, because that's really what it was. The curtain opened, and we were in, like, the top of the balcony. We did not at all have great seats, and it didn't matter a bit. Mm-hmm. We were, didn't they showed a penny cartoon? Oh, oh. penny cartoons. Yeah. They're so good. And they just like it was there was a dance. Pee-wee and Cherry danced together and it was it was magical. Should we also mention that when we went to see that Broadway show, we all wore red bow ties? Did you really? We did. Yeah, we did. We did. We I'll have to I'll have, have to find some I'll have to find I have some photos and I definitely have I'll a have picture. To, yeah, we'll we'll post them to Instagram. Cool. So Scott. At Room Childhood's Pod. Yeah. If, oh my goodness. If you had to uh, do anything with uh, the Pee Wee character now, what would you do? It's so hard because you have to, I have to abandon Pee Wee's Big Adventure is a thing that exists and it, it every other property is not like it. So we can't just like return to it, which is, you know, it's a sacred thing for me. It's that one movie. But... I really love what he was able to do with the Broadway show and what Holly, Big Holiday did, which was so good, was all those things of just like, a, what would Pee Wee do? You know, it's like sticking him in any situation. So I think now it would be a perfect 10-minute episode web series because you don't need to rely on big plot. It's just situational. What would Pee Wee do in whatever situation? You can That character can sort of live in any time. It can be current. And like little 10-minute spots, which I think is kind of perfect for it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Kind of like a, a peewee, like not a not a how-to exactly, but a, a what would peewee do? Yeah, exactly. Just like, I mean, you could do anything. You Like peewee as a YouTuber, you know, like that character can, yeah. hey, you know, welcome. And like he's in the playhouse in the background. And like, you know, today I'm going to teach you how to kind of like on peewee's playhouse there were all those little like a cooking like fruit salad fruits obviously right. yeah where it's ice okay. cream soup he marries does he marry the fruit he salad he marries the fruit salad he marries the fruit salad mm, Rudy, I love fruit salad then why don't you marry it alright then I will <laughs> <laughs> Do you, Peely Herman, take this fruit salad to be your lawfully wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, in sickness and in health, 
Till death do you part. So help you God. Do you? Do you? I do. Do you, fruit salad, take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband, to have and to hold, and so on and so forth? So help you God. Yes, the fruit salad said I do. Now, by the power vested in me, I hereby pronounce you man and wife. You may kiss the bride. Don't what? <laughs> Just to explain how perfect and beautiful this is for any people who have not seen Pee-wee's Playhouse or in these episodes that we're talking about is that he has these cooking segments, which are so aggressively non-complicated because it's for kids, but it's also to point out just like the how funny it is to make like a really simple cooking show where he teaches you how to make fruit salad, which is cutting up a bunch of fruit and putting it into a bowl or ice cream soup which is taking ice cream and mixing it up and it melts down. And like, it's so beautifully simple, which is what the Peary character is. It's the sense of play that grownups forget. And that's like the childlike character embodies that whole, like it's about the sense of playfulness that you forget about when you have to pay bills. Oh yeah. And that's like what Peewee's, uh, what Big Top Peewee is, you know, the whole like. Peewee pa- paying bills. There's a 10 minute episode right there. Exactly. So I just think that, Little web series of him being like a YouTuber and that kind of thing. I, I just think that would play out great. Yeah, I like it. Dan? Yeah. Well, a uh, few few different uh, ideas. So first of all, we have we do have some loose ends. Uh, we There could perhaps be a child produced by the Pee-wee-Gina <laughs> coupling. Okay. So you've got the so you've got perhaps a you know Pee Wee grows up where he learns that he's a parent and finds his I guess now thirty something year old child and tries to be a parent and take and do all the things that he never got to do that he thought would be fun to do as a parent but now his kid is like thirty so um, it kind of goes in the vein of that. Like what would Pee Wee do? But it's it's more specific to him dealing, you know, having this child, a daughter, or or a son. Uh, I I also was thinking. I know John, you had you had mentioned uh, several episodes uh, several episodes ago, like a, a virtual reality uh-huh. adaptation. I forget yeah. what the movie was we were talking about. I want to say Bill and Ted. No, no, no. Bill and Ted was way no. long ago. Yeah. So I don't remember, but I thought that would be kind of fun if you could put because I'm like, man, that would be kind of fun to be in the world of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So, so to almost, I I don't know, and I've never used any VR, so I could be totally off on how this thing works. But I feel like a Pee Wee like type maybe where you 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 follow Pee Wee along, you join Pee Wee uh-huh. on 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 an adventure that that could be fun. A Pee-wee's European adventure. We haven't seen Pee-wee in in Europe, right? So. Oh, but it's, I mean, so many. Oh, it'd be so great in France, yeah. and you know, like it's. Oh my God, all yeah. those. Yes, there's so many. I think. Oh, what would Pee-wee do? Situation like, let's put him in. Right, and yeah. you know, you come up, and then it's more like with Pee-wee, right? You come up with that concept of the. Okay, we want to have Pee-wee doing things, and then you kind of figure out 
the plot. You know, it's the whether it's the the lost bicycle. I think yeah. that's where Big Top Pee Wee maybe falters a, the a, plot a little is bit. The least important thing of all the Pee Wee right. stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. Tone. you need it's the like, means to the end. It's right. all tone. Yeah, which is so fun being in that world of where you have to accept that Pee Wee Herman. Like you just have to accept this. I would also. I would love. To see him work with Tim Burton again. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't, I don't remember the last Tim Burton movie that I saw and or really liked. That's why I'm nodding my head over here. I'm like, but I want, I want a return to form. Like I, I want, cause I love Tim Burton. I love the Tim Burton of the eighties and the nineties. And he probably did something since the turn of the millennium. But I feel like he's aggressively not interested in returning to that form. We'd have to ask him. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. I feel, because I feel like he kind of like, he fakes it. Like things like Dark Shadows. Right. It's kind of, it's that, it's someone imitating that form. Yeah. And even something like Big Eyes, it's like, Trying to do something more original. Was it supposed to be like more of like an in the Ed Wood vein? I of, think so. Yeah, and it just. I don't know. But Ed Wood fit because it was wha- it was a real life yeah. character that was really well. This wacky. was also a, a real life character, but the well, situation it was unfortunate. Yeah, <laughs> it's not nearly as wacky. <laughs> yeah, so I would I I I believe that there is still some creative spark somewhere buried deep within Tim Burton. And I, I think it's up to Paul Rubens and Danny Elfman to get it out of him. Yeah. Mm. I would have Pee-wee being abducted by aliens and having to adventure himself back to Earth. Pee-wee's adventure through space. I had an, I had another... Well, I've had a couple other little ones. Like the alien from the dream in the beginning? I, I loved Yule. Yule, Yule is Yule. great. So, uh, yes, it could be a continuation of of the Yule story. But another thing that I was thinking was kind of like how he has no idea who Joe Manganiello is, even though he's, <laughs> you know, been in these big movies and TV shows, uh, a Jiminy Glick type interview show where he does not know <laughs> who anybody is. Uh, That's perfect. That, and as an Internet show, yeah. like short form. Yeah. So it sounds, I mean, not like between two ferns. No, I feel because like Zach Galifianakis, in, is but he knows kind of, he knows he Zach Galifianakis is is a jerk. Yeah, the character in Between Two Friends. So, yeah. uh, Pee Wee, I think, would lend a completely different spirit to it. The other thought that I had would be like he uh, goes into therapy and uh, kind of breaks out of his man child thoughts and becomes normal. And uh, but I think that it's a little uh, anti therapy, which uh, I don't want to make anybody think that I believe in. But no, but you, you did just bring to mind another uh, another like something. I feel like I feel like the, I, I'm interested in the idea though of of Pee Wee kind of growing up, yeah, and mm. seeing maybe a maybe a, a different side of the character, which uh, w- was part of my thinking with the with the the child thing but i mm-hmm. peewee in therapy <laughs> yeah uh, i don't like it i think you could make it so that it what does not come off as what about peewee as an actual kid i thought you were say as a therapist no oh that's funny though. but here's why peewee as an actual kid doesn't work for me because then it's a different actor unless yeah. you uh, i don't know unless it's like a cg type thing where mm. it, or it's animated but well it's no where it's like 
an, an actual little kid's body, but the <laughs> you know Pee Wee's head I, on the no, body. No, Pee Wee Herman is Paul Rubens, and Paul well, Rubens, well, P- Paul yeah. Rubens doing the yeah. I don't know. I, I it would it, be weird. I think all the good ideas are the ones that are just like put the Pee Wee character in this situation, right? Being in space, make him get hosting an interview show, yeah. Which is it. I really do like that idea. Interview like. You put him in with with somebody super well known, and like, what would they ask? But just having him be like really curious about everything, yeah. and they're talking. About, I don't know, like who's a, who's the who's an example of a good guest? You think would be like what, Brad Pitt? What a Brad Pitt can sure. be Pee Wee Herman Joe. Yeah, or like uh, Dustin Hoffman, like somebody who would be like, <laughs> "How do you not know who I am?" And just imagining them, you know, talking about different movies and Pee Wee not having seen. Like I'm, I'm thinking about Dustin Hoffman now, and I'm, I'm imagining Pee Wee interviewing Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman talking, talking about like Tootsie, and, and Pee Wee not getting it, right? Or talking about Hook and Pee Wee being thinking that he was really Captain Hook. That would be that would be something. I don't know. This is our pitch. Lots of Paul, Paul Rubens, Rubens, Paul, Mister Rubens, or Rust. Yeah, if, if either of you are listening. Yeah, take Please. these ideas. A movie that a movie that involves the play. Oh, oh, how about this? What about what if what if it's Pee Wee moves out? What if Pee Wee is because let's start in the playhouse, but maybe the neighborhood's getting like gentrified. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Pee Wee gets gentrified, and and Pee Wee gets has to move out of the play out of the playhouse, which would force him to grow up, or which or would it would imply that or would push it in that direction. You kind of have him, you you have him set into the circumstance where he can encounter different, different things and different things could happen. Like we're, we're discussing here. So, oh, that, hmm. cause I, I, it would be cool to kind of, I, what I did, what I did really like about the Broadway show was that it came back to the playhouse. Yeah. 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 And the playhouse is probably the most iconic why? I mean, short of Big Adventure, aside from Big Adventure, I would say the oh. Playhouse is kind of it, well. The Playhouse is the most defined world that and we yeah. have for Pee Wee. Yeah, and it's the most universally known, I think, because you can watch Pee Wee's Playhouse. Well, this would be a good opportunity to talk about Wayne White, who was the art director for the Playhouse, who actually has a uh, an art show going on in New York right now. Cool. So uh, Wayne White, who's uh, He's an artist. He currently does a lot of really uh, fascinating art that includes like, I think it's like thrift store paintings where he uh, paints on like kind of 3D words and phrases and things like that. But he uh, designed the the playhouse. He was the brain of that whole design. And there is a fantastic uh, documentary about him that came out, I'd say probably 2000. 12 2013 uh directed by uh neil berkeley who i want to say he also did the amazing jonathan documentary that recently came out i haven't seen that one yet but it's on my I hear list it's great. i used to love watching amazing jonathan oh me too comedy. as is somebody named jonathan it was like anytime i'd see somebody else named jonathan it was just like ooh. And he would do that. He would do that trick with the mic stand, where he, he would he'd have his foot on the mic stand, but he'd push it over, and it would tip over, and then make it come back up. And he'd, let's get here early and get good seats. I just remember him drinking the Windex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. this docu- there's this documentary, and we mentioned our friend Jeff Rubin. Uh, who hosts the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show podcast. Who I believe was the one who procured the tickets for us to attend. That makes sense. The show. Uh, So 
he did an, an episode of his podcast with Neil Berkeley, the director of the Wayne Waite documentary. And it was he did it in L.A. when he was just visiting. This is not when he was living there. And because I had was doing podcasts, I had a lot of podcast gear. So I engineered that episode and we went to we recorded it, in, even though Wayne White wasn't there. Uh, we recorded in Wayne White's home studio, which was really thrilling because there were a lot of, you know, artifacts from that era of uh, 80s television. So definitely very cool to to do that. And I recommend everybody look into the art of Wayne White. Yeah, I'm going to that show. Yeah, you better. I hope it's still going on. I saw him post something about it on Twitter like a few days ago. So I think it's still happening. Fantastic. So uh, Scott, John, anything that you want to, any any final words on the uh, the Pee-wee Hermanaverse? I think we need more Pee-wee in the world right now. That's true. Don't disagree at all. Uh, Pee-wee for president. Pee-wee 2020. Joy, the yeah. playfulness. I think it's all these things that are what's exciting about that character and kind of timeless because it splits that weird 50s, 80s, kitschy, but like timeless. Oh, thing. yeah. It's... So much fun. Yeah. I, it's, I love living in a world with, uh, with that character. I don't trust anybody who doesn't enjoy it. <laughs> Seriously. I, I would wonder if someone give who my, doesn't Give my daughter a chance. That's all I got to say. I bet no. She's too, she'll <laughs> it get takes it. Time. We were, she'll yeah. get it. We, uh, when the secret word was mentioned anytime on the show and I would scream, she'd look at me and be like, please don't do it. Please stop doing that. <laughs> They'd be like, come on. <laughs> giving you a chance to scream. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more things to add uh, on our next episode about the Pee-wee-verse. Dan, do you want to let everyone know what our next episode is going to be? Yeah. So next episode, we're going to be revisiting another 1985 classic, Ron Howard's Cocoon. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Wilford Brimley, Hume Cronin, Jessica Tandy, Donna Michi, Maureen Stapleton. I'm amazed. I'm just trying to see how long I can go with this. Yeah, I'm not stopping you. Yeah, I don't know. But we'll talk about Cocoon and probably Cocoon the Return. And Cocoon is which, the, with the like the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. So interest but and then interest to parallel it to Pee-wee, both movies with 1985 came out in 1985 with 1988 follow-ups that were underwhelming. Okay. So there we go. I'm always impressed by Dan's connections. <laughs> always. I am a master of bs no and sometimes it works out it's incredible (laughs) good journey scott good journey good journey good journey good journey
kinda dumb, but I think it's cool. And when you start acting foolish, you got it right. So let's break the pee. We heard it while I rock the mic. The dance is hot. In other words, it's burning. So let's do the dance. Call it Pee Wee Herman. 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 